Dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast normally about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she's my Apollonia. It's my sister, Marissa. Am I not your friend, Shresher? That was weird. I, I mean, we have, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> um, bef- uh, so this month we're celebrating the actress behind Judge Jen, Maya Rudolph, in a theme we like to call May is for Maya. This week, uh, we watched the Netflix comedy Wine Country that was recently comedy? released. <laughs> a comedy question mark? Um, it's like a chick flick it's togetherness like a, wine romp. It's like happy sideways for ladies. Okay. Okay. Well, mostly happy. Yeah. Happy. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, starring Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, Paula Pell, Rachel Dratch, Emily Spivy. Uh, I don't know how to say her last name. And uh, Anna Gasteyer. Can we agree right out of the gate that it was one too many ladies? Yes, thank you! <laughs> I didn't know any of their names. I was just like... <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We're not... there. They don't get character names. Okay. It's not... Phew. I was trying to keep track and I was like, I can't do this. Before we get into it, I think... We have some things to say. Very quick up top, uh, housekeeping. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Please rate and review us on iTunes. You can follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group, uh, The Good Play Twitter. We are at The Good Play Pod. Uh, and send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. If you have theme months that you would like us to do, please let us know. We are, you know, always open we're coming up on a new month, so we got to think of something else. <laughs> we'll figure it out. I think out. we have to do one more maze for my otherwise. I agree. We can't have a theme month with two things. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. Let's let's get into whatever whatever this was. <laughs> whatever this was. It was six, for some reason, ladies. <laughs> it should have been five. I agree. It should have been five. I agree it should have been five. I think it's probably just like... And really... Seven because Tina Fey is in it as well. Yeah, but she's she just kind of pops in and out. Yeah, yeah. It should have been five. Six is too many. I can't keep track of. I could not keep track for the longest time. I couldn't keep track of who was who and and who had what husband and who had what kids and whatever. Like it was too. It was way too much. Yeah. So you did a really great detailed recap. I you don't really have to. Don't want to. <laughs> In essence, I always do more detail in case you want to get yes, into certain it. things. Sure, sure, sure. But we, this is just a, a free for all in the Napa Valley. Let's let's just look at it like that. So the the origin story of this group of six again six lady friends who are all late forties or maybe fifty. Yeah, it's Rachel Dratch's fiftieth birthday in this right. movie. Um, the origin story behind this group is that they all worked at the same pizza place, which is such a lame conceit. <laughs> like, it's very obvious that the real thing here is, like, they were all in Second City together. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, because it's Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, just have it be Second City. Like, who cares? <laughs> Why did it have to be a pizza place? It made no sense. Like, yeah. who keeps in touch with all the women there? And also, like, what pizza place... Will empl- in what like family owned pizza place employs right. six twenty somethings at the same time? That even if you're all employed at the same time, you're never all on shift at the same time, right? That's the thing. Like you're never all going to be in the same place. At the Maybe same Chicago time. deep dish. They need like a lot of waitresses because it takes <laughs> so long to make them. I don't know. Even the most ridiculous place like pizza places I've been to where. They had a bunch of 20-somethings, like, as quote-unquote hostesses who it was like, well, what are they really doing? And, like, is this just the owner's nieces kind of, you know, getting paid for nothing? Like, even they never had seven of them at the (laughs) same time. Six, I should say. Yeah. In any case. So Rachel Dratch is a doctor. And she has a useless husband named Brian. Anna Gasteyer is a chef who has, like, a TV show and some, like, um, she... frozen dinner lines. Yeah. Remember, Christina Fey talks about the, the frozen dinner line that she yeah. makes for, like, one. Pizza team... for one. That was yeah. a very big theme. Yes. 
Um, Maya Rudolph is married, unclear what her job is, and has Four a children. Horde, horde of screaming children. <laughs> Amy Poehler, we find out maybe two-thirds of the way through, has lost her job. All she keeps trying to hint at it, so I think the audience figures it out sooner. But I she mean, finally I figured it out immediately. Right. And I was just like, she's saying all this cryptic stuff like... Yeah, it's the only thing I've got going for me right now. And they're like, huh. And then they just sort of walk away. And I'm like, <laughs> you wouldn't follow that up anyway. Paula Pell is a lesbian, just like her. she is in real life. God, uh, I love her. <laughs> it's not clear to me what her job... Does she own a shop, I want to say? She Maybe? owns a, uh, a vintage store. Yes, yes, yes. In like Portland or something. Yeah. And Emily Spivy... Spivy? I think Spivy. Emily Spivy has social anxiety <laughs> and has a, a partner, a male partner and a kid. Does she have a kid? Yeah. Okay. I totally missed that. She had a kid. There's like a kid in the, whatever, when they're FaceTiming like the face each timing. other. Not clear to me if Emily Spivey has a job or anything like that, but she has a partner and social anxiety, like severe social anxiety. And that's the, that's the group of ladies. So it's like a pretty cut and paste kind of plot. Where they all go to this house in the Napa Valley, you know, that Amy... So Amy Poehler, like, has control freak to this whole weekend where she she did all the legwork, which, like, I've been that person many times, and it is sort of galling when people don't appreciate the amount of work you've put into it. Yeah. I will say that. Like, she's, like remember, Le- she's like Leslie Nope without the enthusiasm. Do you remember that time that... Even though we lived right outside Philadelphia for some reason, our parents and we like went into Philly on a vacation, on a quote unquote, like like almost like a staycation. And like we did a bunch of things and I had an itinerary and like our mom was like all complaining about how many things I'd put on the itinerary. (laughs) I tried to block out most of that trip because I (laughs) fundamentally object at the core of my being that we took a vacation (laughs) in the city where we lived. But, 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 we went to Except that hotel's chocolate. chocolate. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was the a Ritz chocolate Carlton. buffet at the Ritz-Carlton that was off the chain. And I remember I was severely... Under- we saw Beauty and the Beast, That's too. true. I was severely underdressed uh, to go to the Ritz-Carlton. I had, like, jean shorts on. Whoa, you wore jorts to the chocolate <laughs> buffet? I was... Gosh, how old was I? 12? Is that right? Something like that. Okay. That's prime case. jorts so, age. <laughs> I'm going to wear jorts tomorrow. Not, nothing against jorts, but like, I get that, right? I am I am a big travel planner. Like, I am not a planner in my everyday life, but when I am going to travel, I become like very, very type A planner, which mm-hmm. I don't know why that is, but it just is. I have, uh, you know, best friend Meg. Uh, I'm going to visit her in a couple weekends, and she's already sent me multiple itineraries that I can choose from. Oh man, yeah. I don't let people choose. I just have a dictator. <laughs> In any case, like I get it. I've been there, so I kind of felt Amy Poehler's like frustration. Although she, it was obviously meant to be absurd because she like printed out matching T-shirts and wanted to take a drone photograph of them and had them going to like seven hundred different wineries and whatever. It was. Very strange. I think I would have, I know we're, I'm maybe like veering into discussion territory, but like, I think I would have felt her frustration a little bit more if we had gotten anything about her character uh, at all, other than she's divorced. We never know why. We don't hear anything about her relationship other than she's divorced. And we don't really even know how she feels about being divorced. And we also don't know what her job is or was. And, like, you know, obviously she feels very unmoored not having a job, but, like, what kind of... No, no, no. So we do know why she lost her job, and it was because she didn't know something about Instagram? Oh, yeah. That, that's the sort of dig about uh, millennials, I guess. That, But I thought... I, I took it to be quasi-sincere that, like, she didn't demonstrate enough social media knowledge. So I assume she was in, like, PR or something like that. Okay. But I, I, I could just, be completely wrong. No, I mean you're probably right, but I, I just didn't. I, I would have felt for her more if I didn't think she, like, if I knew her character a little bit better. There wasn't with six women. There's not enough time to like get into everybody's backstory. That's yeah, part which of the is problem. Why right? it would have been five. It should have been five. Yeah, yeah. So there. So Tina Fey is the one who owns the house. Tina Fey is actually delightful, and I will say 
I, I by the end of this movie, I was like, "You cowards should have made so Anna Gosteyer and Tina Fey have more chemistry together than any other pair of people in this movie." And I was like, "You cowards should have made this that the two of them decide to hook up with each other." Like, yeah, I man. could see them as like a lesbian power couple. Like, it worked for me. Like, the fact that Tina F- and like and and I could see like Anna Gustav kind of questioning her own sexuality. Like later in life, like, oh, I know I'm kind of attracted to this woman, and that's kind of weird. And Tina Fey being like, oh, I'm you know I'm bisexual because she says something about having been married to a man, but now she's which divorced. I was shocked about because I was like, she seemed very much like the stereotype of like a woodsy outdoorsy lesbian right lady. and so it would have been interesting for it to come out like oh yeah i got divorced because i realized i was a lesbian or something right like right that like i just it, it was such a missed opportunity to me that, there were like, so many missed opportunities in this movie <laughs> i think there were so many yeah so um what's the name of the guy who is the chef Devin. no no what's the actor's jason name? schwarzman J- jason schwarzman who um, I love from yes. Wet Hot American Summer. No, no, from he's um, in Wet Hot American Summer, the TV show, and he's really great in that. From Rushmore, the Wes Anderson oh, movie. Sure, right, yeah, like yeah. the good old days. He's so adorable <laughs> in that. Oh, so yeah, so they just they're like going out and doing things. They go to a they go and like take over a restaurant. So they meet they meet Brene Brown there in what has to be the most blatant and gross like netflix self-promotion i have ever encountered yeah <laughs> like so netflix is gonna do a brene brown show or i think they have released a brene brown show so they have these women like all to a woman gush over seeing brene brown in this like napa restaurant and it's so i was like i would rather that you just had people conspicuously drinking cans of pepsi like yeah the no thank you <laughs> yeah i agree Oh, yeah, there's, like, a whole plot thread about how Anna Gosteyer really wants to do Molly, right? Were we finished talking about Brene Brown? Yeah. Okay. Screw that product placement. It's absurd. Oh, yeah. I'm, like, happy to... I might even watch the Brene Brown Netflix thing, but I don't want to see it cross-promoted in just a random movie. It's stupid and gross. No, I agree. I mean, I actually... I think in that restaurant scene, what... Before we talk about the Molly, because that was really (laughs) weird... I think what I liked about that restaurant scene and what I liked throughout the whole movie in like fits and starts is that they actually, as a group, do have a lot of chemistry. And yeah, I, they're all like real life friends. But right? they're all real life friends. And that didn't materialize in their characters because they're manufacturing this. I mean, obviously, it's a scripted movie. So they're like manufacturing this conflict between all of them. But like when they were sitting around at the table. And uh, Rachel Dratch is like, can I offer you some feedback? And they all start making fun of her and singing that, can I offer you some feedback? That, that, that song. Which, I, was I like, think that was ad-libbed. Right. And that feels like a natural thing that would happen in that friend group. You've known each other for a long time. You like to riff and you like to rag on each other. That felt real. That made me laugh. Paula Pell giving everybody special dildos. Oh my god, that was so great. Roland. Paula Pell is a national treasure. She genuinely is. She's my favorite part of this whole movie. She's also so great, guys. This is such a niche recommendation, but the documentary now series did <laughs> did co-op the musical which is a a, a rip-off of the documentary uh company original cast recording. Paula Pell is the Elaine Stritch parody character. And uh, if you if you love the original the the original Broadway cast recording of Company from the nineteen seventies, <laughs> then I encourage you to watch Co op the Musical from Documentary Now. That's, she, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> she also um, has a small guest spot as Ron's mom on Parks and Recreation. She's not old enough to be Ron's mom. They put her in old like they put her in like a gray wig and some. Uh, old age makeup but she's hysterical like they go to her house and there's like a room full of just guns and chris pratt's character is like there's a room full of just guns in here and he's like why do you have so many guns and she's like this is america isn't it and he's like yes and she's like then i don't have to answer stupid questions while standing on my own property and they're like well that's definitely ron's mom (laughs) but she's i mean she's fantastic i mean they're all funny but i just feel like they get hamstrung in this like you know, trying to have a plot that has conflict, but also no conflict at the same time, if that makes any sense. 
Yeah. So, yeah, Anagasaira wants them to all do Molly, and it never happens. And like, but she keeps pushing the, it. That's it. And that's it. She has the sort of character trait of always feeling like she's the one who gets left out. <laughs> Which, again, that's a very common thing in female friend groups. So yeah. I think it's, like, it's legit. But yeah. So it's this weird thing of, like, she wants everybody to take a drug and everyone's like, not gonna do drugs. And then she feels more left out. But it also never comes back. Like, it's never like, well, she just does it on her own and or... You know, one or of them she does it with Tina Fey, do, or she does. Yeah, I mean, God, so that would have been great. So many things. Uh, at some point, Jason Schwartzman shows up, and he comes with the house. <laughs> he's slapping a squid or whatever. Yeah, and he's gonna he's gonna prepare a paella for them, and that just becomes a running joke about how he, you know, it just needs several more hours to simmer, which is like actually kind of accurate when it comes to paella. If you go to a restaurant where they do paella, they'll often tell you like, call ahead of time and tell mm. us what paella you want so we can get it started before you arrive because otherwise you're going to be here for like two hours. I didn't know that. At some point, Cherry Jones shows up. <laughs> Amy Poehler has this hired This is our her. Placebo Boulevard crossover event. Yes, it sure is. Actually, you know, her character in, in Black Mirror was so much more chipper than this one. Yeah. <laughs> Even though she had a dead husband, she was more chipper. Cherry Jones in this is a is a as you have it humorless tarot card reader. That's an accurate description, and uh, everyone's tarot card reading is just like accurate and horrible. Yeah, just yeah. like gut, it guts everybody. It's terrible. Yeah, and it's probably around this time that we start to realize that Maya Rudolph has something going on where she hasn't called her doctor back for some test results and. We don't know what that's about, but she gets, like, death or whatever, and she's just like, mmm. <laughs> and it's like, oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah, they all get pr- pretty well eviscerated. It's and Cherry good. Jones has, like, no sympathy for them. Yeah. <laughs> at all. Then they go to a bunch of wine tastings. They go to a bunch of wine tastings. There's, like, a kind of a funny thing about how when they go to when they go i did kind of like they went to this organic winery and obviously the woman who runs the place is like a high strung hippie type yeah i did think that was kind of funny how she didn't want any of them like walking around which is like what even is a winery tour if you can't walk around but it's but like that was again that was like one of the moments when i think it was rachel dratch and my rudolph were off by themselves like walking through and they clearly are just like riffing off each other because that woman comes up and it's like um hi actually there's a sign and like you can't walk through here and they're they're like oh okay and they're following her out and, she, and they're like they're like bitch you don't know me you don't know my shoes <laughs> and yes. i was like this is what i want i just want two hours of you guys riffing off of each other right instead of the scripted drama yeah, yeah. um there's a lot of groups of you know subgroups of two of the women kind of talking about a third behind her back which again is extremely extremely real (laughs) very real can i just say in case you are not a woman let me just tell you this right now (laughs) this is what groups of women get up to is they talk about the ones that aren't there behind their backs yes that's what we do that is that is the john mulaney joke about how oceans 11 with women would never work because two of them would always like uh, break off to talk trash about the other nine. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that one hurts. <laughs> so there's also stuff going about how Anna Gasteyer, because she's like sort of like a high-powered TV chef or whatever, she keeps trying to like get signal and she can't get signal. Like Wi-Fi, can't get Wi-Fi. Because she's trying to decide whether or not to like be a judge on one of the cooking shows. Like yes. one of these sort of like chopped-esque cooking shows. Right. And another plot thread is that Paula Pell meets this young young server at the restaurant they're at who's also a lesbian and who you know obviously kind of takes a shine to paula pell and so paula pell kind of has this like but she's a lot younger but paula pell kind of has this like warm fuzzy feeling of like ooh, like i don't know i have this girl i might hit on later yeah i mean paula pell's character is sort of billed as like she's friendly to everybody and she feels young at heart she feels sort of younger in her heart and her soul than she is in her body because like she's had a knee replacement she's like you know she her knees she says she feels good but like it's very clear that like her sort of like emotional age and her physical age are different yes yeah so they're all breaking off to talk smack about each other yep in the way that friends who care about each other but are stuck together will do. <laughs> um, and one thing that kept coming up 
is that um, Rachel Dratch like wanted it to be like a very just light fun. Rachel Dratch has a marriage that nobody likes her husband, but they kind of won't say it to her, but they all say it to each other. She wanted this to be like a really fun girls weekend and just like very light and breezy. Amy Poehler kind of took it over, made it into like this crazy itinerary. And also Amy Poehler is trying to get Rachel Dratch to like talk about the fact, you know, like own the fact that she's 50 now. And Rachel Dratch is like, oh, age is just a number, blah, blah, blah. And so there is that kind of through line that happens as well as they're kind of like going through the wineries of just like, you know, Amy Poehler being like, she's got to, can I just say like, she's got to just own up to the fact that she's 50 and like, that's significant. And then Rachel Dratch being like, can I just say that? Like, it's not a big deal that I'm 50. Why does everybody talk about that? Like that kind of thing. Right. At some point they are in like a jazz bar and my Rudolph gets up and drunkenly sings eternal flame. So the Maya Rudolph singing box gets checked off. Thank God. Yes. We needed that. <laughs> um, Amy Poehler at this point kind of flips out, admits that she lost her job. And, and she actually has this breakdown that I found really relatable where how she has these personal problems that seem huge to her, but are small in the grand scheme of things. And simultaneously she has this like background radiation of stress about how we're destroying the planet. I have that all the time. <laughs> right. So like that very relatable to me, right? Where I was just like, yeah, there's just always this in the back of your mind. There's always like, and we're going to boil ourselves off this planet. I think she says like, there's like three rhinoceroses left. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so she kind of just loses it and everyone's like, oh, it's, you know, it's okay. And they kind of take I, her into the fold. I actually think that they were surprisingly like cool with her meltdown when she kind of went after each one of them pretty well oh Anna Gossier gets annoyed that she doesn't get gone after yeah <laughs> it's like she's left she's left out of being gone after but like you know she kind of goes around to everyone and is like well what about you and what about you and what about you and they all afterwards were like oh like I didn't know you were having a hard time and I was like man you guys are good friends I'd be a little saltier than <laughs> I mean, they're you also are. they're also older right I mean I yeah. do think that as you get older you mellow a lot with this stuff because you just don't have a choice that's true. <laughs> like you have to that's true so then Abby is like sulking and she just like throws all the itineraries out the window and like, where are we going next? Amy Poehler's not saying. So Rachel Dratch is like, uh, let's go to that art show that Paula Pell's like flirty crush girl mentioned. And they're like, okay, let's go there. And thus begins. Yeah. What was this? The most gratuitous, annoying, uh, stupid part of this movie. Yeah. I would I say. I agree. Where this group of women who again late 40s early 50s so they are pretty firmly generation x uh basically take a chunk of time to complain about the kids today (laughs) and that could be millennial it could be gen z it's not really clear to me how old any of these people are but it's It's felt very millennial to me it's possible but but younger millennial right yeah i'm not exactly sure where the cutoff is i think 96 is the last year that millennials were born or something like that so for carrie the yeah i mean younger millennials are maybe even just the like sort of edging into gen z yeah but it's a bunch of like arty people who have been impossible from time immemorial it is not like the arty people of the millennial and gen z generation are a new kind of unbearable they are the exact (laughs) kind of unbearable that all arty people have been since cave paintings speaking as an arty person who holds a bachelor of fine arts um yeah i mean i certainly went to shows like this uh, when I was in college. Oh, the hook, by the way, is that this girl that Paula Pell has a crush on, whose name is Jade, she has done all of her art about Fran Drescher from The Nanny. And yes. it's all a commentary on The Nanny. Which is, I found hysterical. <laughs> um, but that sort of, like, sincerity and everything was uh, very... I, I definitely felt that I have been at art shows like that where you're just like, what? Like, I went to couple years ago a friend's illustration mfa show and it might as well have been that like 
there was just like a woman who sculpted like a horse head and i was like this is what my what i'm looking at i can't but when what becomes an issue is you know these people are to me it sort of felt like you're obviously supposed to side with the main characters that we've been following around but they really pile on this group of strangers like young strangers in a way that was completely inappropriate, unnecessary, uncalled for, and made no rude. sense. Also, yeah, very rude. And and going into diatribes about Paula Pell goes into a diatribe about how when she wanted a dirty magazine when she was young, she had to walk however many miles in the snow, and now the kids today can just call up pornography on their phones, and they didn't re- they don't realize how good they have it. And the millennials looking at them like they're animals in a zoo and saying, oh, see, that's why they're so repressed is because they came to associate their sexuality with hard work. And I was just like, this is not this is not a thing in the world. And Emily Spivey is like, you kids are too, you know, full of yourselves and you have so much confidence that you haven't earned, which is like every young generation, like every, you know, like you're saying. Every generation feels this about the next generation. But, like, you have so much confidence that you never earned. And, like, you know, you should have been at, like, my first poetry reading. And uh, people told me that I sucked. And that's how I got to be a better writer. And you deserve to be told that you suck, too. And I was like, you know, as, like I said, as an artsy person, I don't think I've ever met an artistic person, period, who genuinely has confidence in their work. We all think that we are like just making it or like just getting by. And if the, you know, this is supposed to be her first show, right? She's like, she's like, this is my, it's been my dream to have a show like this. And now Mm -hmm, I finally mm -hmm. have it. And if I were her and these women just came in and like, you know, started ragging on me, like basically women, her mom's age, right? Yeah. That's what they are. Yeah. And like, look, is it, I, is her conceit, hilarious yes and is i actually thought that actress of the young woman did a really great job of being completely sincere in in a way that like because like somebody in the audience is like i've never seen the nanny but i don't want that to stop me from participating in the discussion which is like a very art school art school thing to say and she just without missing a beat goes it shouldn't and i was like that's i went to school with people like this And so, you know, like, I thought that like, yeah, was funny. It, it kind of has, like, a funny setup of, like, oh, my God, I go to this girl's art show and she's, like, done this bananas thing. Right. I can't. And, and it it's a bananas this... thing that I can't relate to because we have different cultural touchstones and it reminds me that I'm older than her. Sure. Although the nanny, quite frankly, was on too early for these people to have had it as a part of their, like, you yeah. know, the, the right yeah. age for the, You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, that's true. So I'm not sure what that's about, but like this, this scene could have been played for laughs in a different way. That would have been like, you know, I don't know exactly how I'm not a writer, but like it could have been played for laughs in a way that I think would have left us feeling like, okay, maybe the, the target of what we're making fun of is this woman's insane art choices. Right. Yeah. Like, the thing we should make fun of is the fact that she has put Fran Drescher on this pedestal and the nanny on this pedestal when it wasn't a very good show. Although I did watch a ton of it. I mean, we watched a lot of the nanny. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, all genuinely all you needed for this to work, all you needed for this scene to work is kind of what happens at the beginning, which is when they walk in and they're like, oh God, <laughs> like what have we walked into? And you need like a shot of like two of them at a time, like going up to a crazy painting of like Fran Drescher's face superimposed on like Joan of Arc or whatever was in there. Cause there was a lot of having them like really engage in a way that's like funny and like hyper intellectual being like, yeah. You know, one of them being like, you know, I actually find, you know, in episode, you know, season three, episode four, you know, you know, have you considered how the Madonna horror dichotomy really, you know, was played up in that episode? You're like, just like having them really engage with it, just, at, but, you know, sort of in a snarky way, but like really engage right. with it. But the conceit should be, 
you know, it felt it felt honestly like they were punching down, which is not what you're supposed to do in comedy. Because right, the like you know, if you if you are making fun of, as you said, if you're making fun of uh, this person's like crazy art premise and just being like, she's kind of a kook. Like, she yeah, really, she is. She obviously she, is. She really loves the nanny, but like, we're gonna make fun of the art, but we're not going to make a blanket judgment. Well, then that's what happens, right? They, 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 they turn it into a referendum on yes. people two decades younger than them. And it's like, well, what basis do you have for that? Right. Like, I. <laughs> and also, it's not a very good, to me, just from an optics perspective. Like, the problem that I had is, like, all of these women are pretty well off. Like, I don't know what. Uh, yeah. You know, like. They all have enough money to, like, rent a house in the Napa Valley. They all have enough money to be, like, going on these crazy winery tours for a weekend. And the the girl who's the artist is a rest server at a restaurant, right? Like, and a young woman of color, and a which young most woman. of them are white, except for Maya Rudolph. Right. And, and a lot of her friends were other people of color or like clearly kind of gender fluid or right. You know, they like were, they a, were coded queer. Yeah. Yeah. There's like this LGBT element, which Paul Pell is a lesbian, but like it, they're, it's clearly like the, the, the people who are, you know, maybe this is just me as an, as like a, a cranky millennial, but like the people who are really in power in this situation are the people who are yelling at, the people two decades younger than them and saying like, how dare you think that you have any talent or confidence at this age? Like you should wait until you have problems like ours. And it's like, okay, I, I, I don't have any patience. This for is that. like, right. And this is like the people who, you know, whine and moan about youth being wasted on the young, which is just like, take your Metamucil and take a nap. Like <laughs> I, I have no, I have no time. And, and like, I'm I'm getting older too, as Fleetwood Mac would say. <laughs> I was gonna say time, <laughs> and oh so I do have some like. Do I? I'm not immune. I'll say to rolling my eyes at some of the vagaries of the younger generations. I'm not immune to it, but I also am not making a movie where I'm yelling about it and then basically being rewarded by the narrative, right? <laughs> like, yes, that's a huge. Yeah, I mean, and 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 I think that's like. It also seems so unfounded because, like, we don't, you know, like, I don't know. It, it, it seemed totally out of place. And the thing is that there are no consequences for any of them. Like, uh, Amy Poehler makes a joke and then they all, as is kind of like a trope about, like, these weird artsy people, they all think it's part of, like, a performance art piece. They're all like, oh, is this part of the show? Because you guys are are like being antagonistic to us and like in real life that would not happen. <laughs> no, I mean none of this would happen in yeah, real life. That's true. Uh the so the the button on this scene is that Paula Pell kind of goes up afterwards to Jade to kind of ask her essentially ask her out and Jade misinterprets it as her wanting to buy a painting so now she owns a painting of Frank Did she Fisher. misinterpret it or did she let her down? easier did she kind of like understand it and just not answer the question i couldn't figure that out i i don't know okay i don't know it's not clear okay um at some point anagas air runs into tina fey in a bar and this was one of the times where i was like hook them up hook the two of them up seriously they have a lot of chemistry just do it but basically tina fey is just her wise emotions mentor Rachel Dratch throws out her back, like, as midnight. Extremely relatable to me, which I have done <laughs> you have a lot times. of back problems. As she, like, basically the stroke of midnight on the day she turns 50, she throws out her back. <laughs> and she lies on the floor by herself. All night. Staring at a family of raccoons. And <laughs> she admits that she's in a bad marriage and ever, all of her friends are like, yes, thank you. And she's like, oh, you don't. And they're like, no, yeah, none of, we all hate Brian. <laughs> Which, yeah, that's another very relatable thing mm-hmm. with girls that you're friends with where you don't say anything for years about their terrible boyfriend or husband. And then finally they say something and you're like, yes, <laughs> but I wanted to tell you that for decades. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they do a birthday brunch for her where Amy Poehler has kind of made up a warehouse basically to look like their old pizza place. 
but they they don't find Anna Gasteyer like in the house that morning or whatever, which wouldn't have been interesting if she was actually sleeping over with Tina Fey, but whatever. Maybe this was like an omitted storyline that they like wrote and then they forgot to completely write out, but they're basically just like, ugh, she's always, she probably went back to work anyway and they just kind of leave without her, but then she finds them somehow, not sure how. And she's super mad, and then they are all getting on each other's nerves. Oh, uh, Amy Poehler uh, forks Devin, Jason Schwartzman. She sure does. And uh, it, it sort of descends into absurdity from here. Yeah. I mean, this, like, was, this was too long. Like, oh, it was definitely too long. So then Maya Rudolph is like, we are not leaving you out. It's just that you always say you're busy, and so like we never you know, can really make time to be with you or whatever. Who cares? And then she's like, none of this matters because I'm worried that I have the, the, the BRCA gene, you know, the BRCA gene is the one that, you know, gives you this really super fatal um, breast and uterine cancer. She's like, and I'm worried I have the BRCA gene and I'm too scared to call my doctor to figure out if I really have it, you know, and that's sort of her trump card against everything, which, um, you know, in real life, Minnie Ripperton died, I think at age 31 from breast cancer. So, that to me felt like a real thing. Oh yeah, that Maya I Rudolph about that. may have really thought like, well, I wonder if my mom had BRCA breast cancer, and I wonder if I have the BRCA gene. I mean, it felt like maybe pulled from her life. It was a weird. It's a weird thing to tell your friend your problems don't matter. I have a bigger problem. <laughs> well, it also felt weird because this was not. This was like, I'm waiting to find out if I have this gene, not I'm waiting to find out the Like a mammogram. Were, a mammogram. Yeah. I had a lump and I have a mammogram and I'm like waiting a to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't that. It was like, you know, I'm waiting to find out the test results for this. And it, and it also felt, I don't know, it, it, it felt a little... Um, everybody's problems just felt sort of like there was no real no stakes yeah yeah i don't know if i agree with that i think having BRCA is actually a huge deal yeah but like it's so it gets resolved you know what i mean well that's that's the thing what what ends up happening is anagastire takes my rudolph's phone calls the doctor and gets the test results even though I don't know if you've ever called a doctor's office that's not how that works at all yeah (laughs) you have to confirm your identity but they say, like, no, you're good. By the way, also, if your test results are negative, they just leave that in the message on your phone. They only tell you to call back if it's bad. I, I speak from experience as someone who actually has had cancer. They only give you the message on the phone that says call your doctor when you have the cancer or I guess the gene, right? Like, yeah. Otherwise, it's just a nurse on the phone going, your tests are negative. You know, we'll see you in a year for your pap or whatever. You know? Yeah. Like, Anyway. Or if you me, or if you're me, you get a blood test. This happened to me recently. Get a blood test. Go to a different doctor to like get a follow up, and then that person kind of like manhandles you for a while, and then you're like, "Hey, can I get my test results?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, you're fine." And I'm like, "Uh, what?" <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, it it just. I understand. It's like everything else that I just felt like it was, it becomes, it, it feels a little manufactured. Not to say that the idea for her character to have that worry, it doesn't come from a real place because it may very well, but it just didn't feel, it, it, it didn't feel like it had a lot of teeth to it, I guess. Mm. So then the absurdity really begins because they go outside. They're all like mad at each other. They're storming around. And then they, and then my Rudolph gets bitten by a snake. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then in order to get her to a hospital quicker, they all have to tumble down a hill, like in princess bride, which I was like, what even is this? Like, why, why is this in the script? Why is this a thing that's happening? They all, individually over the course of way too many minutes tumble down this hill and they yeah. eventually get my Rudolph to the hospital where a young doctor tells her like it's fine and you may not have even been bitten by a snake you probably saw a snake and like just got poked in the leg with a twig or whatever and my Rudolph is super insulted by that and they all dress him down which was kind of funny and Anna Gasteyer turns down the judge 
ship on the cooking show for what seems like a really dumb reason, which is that she wants to spend more time with her friends, which is like, they're all scattered to the four winds. Like, they're, what are you going to do? What are you talking about? They're scattered to the four winds. They have families of their own. It's, yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I agree. And then they leave the hospital. I did like... Paula Pell, like, has the painting, the giant Fran Drescher painting. Mm-hmm. At, like, <laughs> I said, Amy Poehler's like, what are you, how are you going to get that home? She's like, I don't know. I'll fold it. <laughs> like, I'll figure it out. <laughs> She's so salty about having this painting. They all, back at the house, they're all friends again. They're all drinking wine. Tina Fey comes up and joins them, which is nice. Would have been nice if she and Anna Gosser had hooked up. Amy Poehler admits to having sex with Devin... Uh, and then Rachel Dratch does too, which was pretty funny. <laughs> and uh, and then that was it. That's the movie, guys. That's the movie. I just was like, huh, that's a thing that happened. Yeah, I mean, here's what I wanted, genuinely. Was either First Wives Club. And by that, I mean, I don't mean somebody has to die. R.I.P. Stalker Channing in that movie. What I mean <laughs> Not is... Not in real life. No, Stay not alive in real forever, life. Stalker Channing. Our, our, our queen, Stalker Channing. <laughs> We need you. We have a lot of queens. We do. We need them. But what I mean is, you had no sense of what their friendship was like or what their personalities were like when they were in their 20s. when they Or when they were like in their teens and 20s when they were first getting to know each other. Like, at the beginning of the first Wives Club, it's a very quick shot, but you understand that these are college graduates. They are so full of hope. They love each other so much. They promise to keep in touch. They all have the necklaces that Stocker Channing gives them. And they are, like, so full of, like, the promise that, you know, their lives are going to work out. And then hard cut to Stalker, Stalker Channing jumping off a building. Stalker Channing jumps off a building. The three of them, rest of them reunite. And it becomes a story of, like, well, my life didn't work out the way we thought it was going to. But we are rediscovering these friendships and rediscovering, like, a meaning that we had within each other, right? Really would have made more sense for these women to be college buddies, come to think of it. You know, like maybe sorority sisters or something. Like, yeah, like, you know. A pizza parlor? Like, what even is that? I know. Like, have them be college friends. Have it be like, you know, and they say, like, we haven't been together since Amy Poehler's wedding. And she's like, oh, you should have been there for my divorce party. So, like, ha- give us some sense of what their their friendship and their dynamic was like early on so that I care more about how they've turned out. That's the one thing I wanted. Or the other thing that I wanted would have just been genuinely the way that like a lot of Will Ferrell movies are just like, let them ad lib. Just don't give, you know, don't give them any plot. Don't give them any plot. Put them at a bunch of wineries and let them go. Right. Let them have, the conversations that they, you know, or give them, there's, there is a director that kind of, I forget his name, uh, but there is a director that kind of like will set up a scene and then all of the dialogue is ad-libbed. And it's actually, I quite like it because it's, it feels more naturalistic, the dialogue, right? A lot of this stuff, you know, a lot of the jokes that didn't work for me were the jokes that felt really forced and the jokes where I did laugh a lot, I was like, oh, this must have just been them. Like their own take on it so i think they got a little probably crushed by like gendered expectations where like yeah a bunch of men a bunch of male comedians who are pals can kind of just get together and shoot the breeze and film it and that's considered just like a good bro-y comedy yeah but i think they assumed like oh okay if someone's tuning in for like this this bunch of women in a movie it's about female friendships like we need to have the typical female friendship plots i mean yes but also at the beginning of the movie they kind of poke holes in that and say like i can't believe everybody thinks we're gonna fight you know i can't believe everybody that like you know that we're gonna my husband thinks we're gonna just cry together all weekend that kind of thing so they're making fun of it and they did fight but they didn't have like it was just sort of sniping at each other. They didn't have any knockdown dragouts. They didn't have any like huge main event. I think that's why the end felt so, or like the sort of like, ri- uh, not rising action. The denouement felt like kind of weird because they just kept on having like little sniping fights, but there was no real big climax. I guess Maya Rudolph getting bitten by a snake, but even that, which is such an odd like 
why was that the thing that you landed on? Like, Well, what? it was supposed to be a reference to the tarot cards. Oh, I don't think I got that. So she says, so Cherry Jones, like, does their group reading and is like, you're all in a field and, like, here's a snake and there's a bunch of rocks and, like, you're all kind of separate from each other, but you're together and, like, you got to work out your ish. And so at the end, they're in the field my Rudolph gets bitten by a snake and one of them goes like, oh my gosh, there are rocks over there. There's a snake. This is just like the tarot cards. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a bad reason to write something into a script. Like, oh, here's our deck of tarot cards we're going to be using. Like, Especially oh, because they wrote the this. tarot card scene. Like, you didn't, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> no, that Cherry Jones is a real tarot card reader, <laughs> Brianna. She is licensed in the state of California to tell the future. <laughs> I wish that were true. <laughs> Placebo Boulevard. Placebo Boulevard. I don't, it just, it made no sense. There were so many things. So, boy. <laughs> yeah, make it, I mean, if you're going to go kind of absurd like that, then just make the whole thing absurd. That's what I'm talking about. You is... kind of got to pick a lane. Yeah. Like, either it's like a a girlfriend's, you know, getting together and there's some interpersonal drama, in which case there needs to be more drama. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. Hook Anna Gastar and Tina Fey up for starters. <laughs> like, and, and, you know, and maybe there's some other unresolved stuff. Maybe somebody married someone's old boyfriend or whatever, right? Like, yeah. you get put some real drama in there. Or you gotta lean into the absurd and then just have it be like a bunch of wacky hijinks at wineries and it's not, it doesn't have this interpersonal drama. You just sort of end up with this like tepid brew of like... Tepid is the exact word I would use. (laughs) Literally the exact word I would use for this movie. It's just like, well, you know, we threw in a little bit of comedy and a little bit of interpersonal drama and a little bit of making fun of millennials and a little bit of absurdity and like, eh, it's fine. And like everyone's saying like, look, Amy Poehler just wanted... Netflix to pay for her friends to go stay in Napa the way that, like... Adam Sandler. Right, exactly. The way that Netflix pays Adam Sandler and his friends to go stay in a cabin for a week, and it, or whatever long it takes. And it's like, yeah, I get that. It's just like, I happen to know that these women are among the most gifted comedians alive right now, and yes. the fact that this is the best they could churn out with all of them is ludicrous. They're They're comedy chops are sort of tragically misapplied to use a Jed Bartlettism, like mm. are tragically misapplied to this sort of manufactured discontent w- within these characters. I mean, I don't think there would necessarily be anything wrong with, I mean, like the reason that, I mean, I don't, I, I the, the, the Adam Sandler movies t- they're talking about are grown-ups and grown-ups too, right? And, like, I... Have, I think among others. Yeah, I've never seen those movies. I think they're supposed to be terrible. But, like, they're probably more out there, right? And I think that's maybe the direction that I would have liked to see them go is, you know... It, we've watched every single one of these women be, like, so silly and weird. Emily Spivey, I've except, never yeah, seen. Except no, she's a writer, I think. Yeah. But, like, you know, they had a conversation in... But uh, Amy Pohl... Or not Amy Poehler, I'm sorry. Maya Rudolph and Emily Spivey have a conversation in the hot tub where they talk about Prince and, like, how much they love Prince. And... One of them says Prance. I think it's my Rudolph. Calls, it's got to be my Rudolph. Calls him yeah. Prance, like my Prance. And I was just like, I'm like, I need more of that. I need more of just like let go. Like have a couple glasses of wine, just go. Um, I don't. I almost wanted to see the outtakes of this movie and like the the <laughs> yeah. stuff that they didn't put in because it was all ad libby because I imagine it is really fun for a bunch of women who've known each other for what 30 years something like that to all get together and celebrate one another and like you know explore these really or like just enjoy these really really deep friendships and that didn't come through at all or very little really to me the other thing I wanted to mention, too, was you had said at the beginning, like, just make them all friends at Second City, right? Yes. And I think that actually would have been ripe for a lot of 
conflict. I don't know if you've seen the Mike Birbiglia movie, Don't Think Twice. Oh, I've heard good things, but I have not seen it. Uh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. But it's it's a it's kind of a difficult movie, as his tend to be. But like, um, but it's very very funny, and it's basically about a group of friends in an improv troupe in New York, and how they deal with the fact that some of them are starting to get more successful than others. And I don't think that works with a group of people who are ages 45 to 55, though. No, no, I don't necessarily mean that. But I mean, as the... These are all, you know, comedians. And so there is that sort of, like, mix between we're going to have a scripted drama, but we're also going to have, like, funny moments where we improv. So there's that piece of it. But if you had them all at Second City together, then you understand, like, that's a that's an area where you bond, but that's also an area that can come with a lot of, like resentments of like competition yeah. right you're you got more successful than me like you got to move to new york and i was still stuck in chicago you know like i rachel dratch in her memoir talk, i don't think i read that but i have heard her talk about her sort of career and how it kind of crashed and burned yeah like talks about how like and also talking about trying to have relationships while you were on when she was on snl she's like it was impossible and you had a lot of what she calls like comedy boyfriends, which are these like very charismatic guys who you're, you sort of end up being like one of the guys. Right. So like, if you want to have any romantic entanglements or romantic drama, like I'm sure there's room for that. Um, but I think it having a, having a backstory for them that with more competition or, or more resentment kind of baked into it, if they wanted to go to the dramatic route, I think that would have worked because what's the drama at a pizza shop nothing right it's such it was such an odd choice i mean just there are so many make them high school friends make them college friends like i don't sorority sisters like there is there is nothing there is no there is no trope to be had of the people who worked as waitresses together at a pizza shop like it just comes out of left field and you're just like this isn't a thing. <laughs> this isn't a thing. And why are you all women if that's how you met? Like, What does that mean? It just doesn't like if you are. So so in the conceit of this movie, like and also like it doesn't make any sense if Rachel Dratch is a doctor. What was she pizza waitressing while she was in med school? Like what? Great question. <laughs> it just like. I think that they didn't want to make it higher education because legitimately a lot of those women didn't go to college. But like, don't let that stop you. Like, yeah, who cares? you can you can act as a person who went to college. It's not like once you go to college, you get this special sheen on you that you can't, <laughs> you can't fake. Like, have you just meeting college? It's fine. Or you were all counselors at a summer camp together. I mean, who cares? Yes. Overnight summer camp. Yes, absolutely. All girls camp, right? And you were all camp counselors together. Like, this weird netherworld of pizza waitressing in Chicago when these women were, you know, I guess 18 to 25 or something. Like, it didn't make any sense. It's just... And it puts you it all it puts you on the lookout already for like ooh this is not this isn't gonna stick this together this is not gonna hold up <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly this does not hold up to scrutiny one bit yeah <laughs> like, this yeah. is lazy and I yeah I I I would have loved to have seen these women just honestly make it nonfiction just put yeah. them all on a big L shaped couch and and put microphones on their lapels for two hours and have them just dish the dirt. They did that with a bunch of like old, like elder States lady, British actresses within the last couple of years. Oh yeah. Like Maggie Smith and Judy Dench and a oh couple others just have them like dishing dirt about like acting. And like, yes, if it was just these actresses just sitting around talking about, this is what it's like to be a woman in the industry. And this is, and for Amy Poehler to, I don't know, talk about her divorce from um, Will Arnett like, R.I.P. that relationship. 
I love them. Like all kinds of things. Like or and and for my maybe for Maya Rudolph to really be like, I was really worried I might have the BRCA gene, and like I got and 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 so this is what happened, and this is how all these women stood by me while I was like, I would so rather have the nonfiction version of that, me but too. I guess it doesn't get them a trip to Napa, so it's not what they did. Or put them or or say like we're gonna. This is going to be... You know what this movie really should have been? Honest to God, The Trip with Steve Coogan. Have you ever seen that movie? I haven't, but I've, I've one of my favorite podcasts uses clips from it all the time. So I've heard a lot of, like, a lot of really funny, like, making fun of Michael Caine. And... So Steve Coogan and Rob, I forget his last name, somebody, basically use these movies as an excuse to go to like a beautiful countryside somewhere they've made three movies three these two dudes <laughs> like you know i like steve coogan but like you know not exactly an a-lister have made three no, movies of the two of them driving through some beautiful countryside eating amazing food and and there are like hints of their personal lives around the edges of these movies but the main thrust of the movie is they sit around, they eat, they rag on each other, they do impressions, they do comedy, they riff off each other. That's the whole thing. That's it. And they're not being characters. They're being themselves. They're being themselves. They're being themselves. It's like, it's Rob Brydon. Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon. Just being... Uh, so it's like a C-lister and a Z-lister, because I've never <laughs> even heard of him. Being, you know, they're friends. They rag on each other. They are not... I mean, part of the conceit is they're both not where they want to be in their careers. They're trying to make themselves feel better. They go on these trips. They just mess around. If you can... I swear to God, if Steve Coogan can get the green light to do this, Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, and, like, Rachel Dratch could have done the same thing. Just let's sit Absolutely. around... Drive through the Napa Valley, stop at a winery, get some food. We're going to rag on each other. And by the way, everybody at the winery would have been so excited to see them. And it would have been so funny to see how they reacted to that kind of attention. And it just would have been like, you know, you, you rag on each other, but you love each other. You're there for each other. You're doing impressions. All I want to do is, like, see Maya Rudolph do impressions and Rachel Dratch do, like, her Debbie Downer at the table. As You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's really what it should have been. It just should have been the trip for ladies. And now I want that, and I'm mad we didn't get it. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. The thin fictional veneer that they put over their lives was uh, somehow at the same time too thin in the sense of not being enough character and also too thick. too too thick <laughs> of being it obscuring these actual wonderful comedians from being comedians yes i agree i totally agree we solved it we solved it don't the worry trip. everybody we solved it the trip with my rudolph and amy Poehler. That's what we really wanted. Like, I'll, I'll put all of them. I don't care. Get a minivan <laughs> or, like, a sprinter van and, yeah. like, have it be all of them and have give them a driver. And they're in, like, a luxury, you know, executive van. And they go around and they go to different wineries and they just rag on each other and they riff and they, you know. And Paul it's Pell, like... Paul Pell gives everybody dildos, but in real life, it'll be great. Yes! <laughs> yes. Man, I want that. Me too! <laughs> that was... Oh, I'm mad that doesn't exist. <laughs> I overexcited I? myself. I overexcited myself. Okay. I don't know what we're doing next week. I think Away We Go is a little too sad. Uh, we could do Big Mouth. A couple episodes oh, of Big yeah, Mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do Big Mouth. You, you've recommended that a few times. So yeah. Let's, you I pick, mean, it's, pick, pick a few episodes where Maya Rudolph have heavy, heavily features and I we'll do that. definitely, definitely will. She's hysterical on this show. I think that... I don't know if you, Marissa, will love the show but I feel like probably not <laughs> but it's quick i mean they're they're short episodes and um jordan peele's also in it if that helps and uh maya rudolph is fantastic as the puberty monstrous so we could do that okay that sounds like a plan okay until next week keep that paella on a low simmer for the next seven to nine hours <laughs> I guess he really did come with the house. <laughs> we'll see you next time, Ding Dong. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door.
Hold on. Okay. Sorry. What's up? Uh, that was Jeff calling me. Oh, it's your Jeff. Hello, Jeff. I'll put this as a stinger after the after the outro music. Hi, Jeff. How you doing, Jeff? <laughs> I hope he listens to this episode. <laughs> oh, what a cutie patootie you are, but I'm recording right now. It's about wine country. <laughs> what is that noise? <laughs> sure is it like a teen girl squad (laughs) no it'll come to me but it's gonna take a while oh no 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 it's from clone high what uh it's that when gandhi goes into the oh gandhi (laughs) it's the unicorn it's it's the unicorn princess is it the unicorn unicorn or is it um it is I, Marie Curie. No, 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 no. It's it's the unicorn princess thing. Oh it is I. I have <laughs> Gandhi. You mean <laughs> your reward is to lay with me or whatever. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we should do a Chris, uh, uh, Miller and Phil Lord month. Maybe. Are you done talking to your boyfriend? Yeah, yeah. I said I'd call him later. Okay. <laughs>